0: and welcome to this episode of the Square. I'm here today with Gerard and Nikki who head up our healthcare practice here in the Los Angeles office. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So glad to be here today guys to be talking about healthcare burnout and design and what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. Um kind of one of the things that got me thinking about this was just how much the office has changed in the past couple of years on the heels of this pandemic, right? I know everyone's tired of hearing that, but it it really kind of created this sort of line in the sand between how we used to work and how we work now. And there's so many moments like this in several industries, if you think about maybe aviation, 9-11, for instance, was sort of another line in the sand for aviation about what security and moving through an airport looked like before and then Mm -hmm. after, right? And I feel like the pandemic for, we think about, obviously we think about the office and remote work and coming back to the office, but for healthcare, it was also a sort of very momentous marking of what worked and what didn't work and changing things for healthcare operations, for patient experience, and even for staff. Do you guys wanna talk to me a little bit about sort of the cha- the bigger changes that you're seeing and some of the vulnerabilities that you think were most exposed on the heels of the pandemic?
1: Well, I, th- I think one of the first things mm-hmm. uh, that was exposed was the honestly the level of burnout with our healthcare providers. Uh, before the pandemic started, there was already the burnout like at the forefront, honestly, they were exhausted. Um, now it's just been magnified by this. Um, people working, crazy shifts, people, they're short staffed, um, picking up double shifts, even triple shifts sometimes, bringing in travelers to pick up time too. It's just everybody's exhausted and they just, you know, they're trying to figure out how to cope with that.
0: Yeah, it was like an already strained <clears throat> profession, strained even more. Mm-hmm. I recently saw a sign outside of a fast food restaurant by my house that said, Hir- now hiring people that show up for work. Right, it, but it's one thing if your Taco Bell doesn't have enough people to work there. It's a completely different thing when your hospital or an emergency room or behavioral health facility doesn't have enough people to work there. What kind of challenges does that create?
2: Yeah, I recently interviewed um, a doctor, Dr. Rosenberg over at UCLA Resnick. Um, she talked about how um, how the pandemic affected the staff. Um, You know, obviously with the strain of uh, the pandemic, um, the string of uh, patients that are coming in due to behavioral health issues just increased. And the effect it has on the staff also affects how they experience um, or provide care. Um, You know, they talked about how they want a space that um, helps staff uh, alleviate some of the stress. They wanna work in a, in a better working environment. And I think um, us as as designers and healthcare professionals have a way to help them achieve that goal.
0: Yeah, you bring up a great point. It was like, there was this already strained and dwindling talent pipeline, and then, mm-hmm. oh, by the way, we're just gonna up the ante when it comes to the ask that we have for this, for this uh, workforce. Mickey, you want to tell me a little bit about your background? I know that you have a very interesting background that gives you a little bit more insight onto what this group is actually facing on a day-to-day basis.
1: Yeah. um, So before I got into design, I worked for seven years as a registered nurse. Um, Five years of that, I was in trauma ICU back in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, And then I did travel nursing for two years. Um, all pretty much all ICU, um, but I as a traveler, you kind of get floated everywhere as needed so you get a little bit of everything um, and i was I was there with that burnout I, I, I was there mentally <laughs> um, I was trying to you know I was sending my applications out for architecture firms and all that, but I had to continue working for probably about three years before I finally got into design. Um, so it was, it was exhausting. I was burned out after year one, honestly, as a nurse. It's hard. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I read once that, you know, we often think about nurses and doctors as being this like pinnacle of health, but in reality, because of the nature of their jobs, they're sometimes the least healthy among us. Maybe they're not eating right, kind of scarfing down the Doritos from the vending machine. You can't really carry around your water as you're moving through the floor. Can you walk me through some of the physical, mental, and emotional well-being challenges that you might face as a healthcare provider? Sure. You're working
1: 12-plus-hour shifts, sometimes 16. It depends where you're at. But um, you don't always have time for breaks. Like, working in a level one trauma ICU, there were times where I would go inhale my food while I was standing at the nurse monitors watching my patient because they were that sick. Um, It's mentally draining. I... There's times when you couldn't even go to the bathroom because you didn't have someone to cover your patient or you didn't feel comfortable leaving them. Um, It's just you're seeing death constantly. You're seeing families sad. You can't fully engage with them. Sometimes you have to learn to separate yourself from the situation and when it's happening constantly, as in with the pandemic seeing that much death you mentally it takes a toll on you you take that stuff home with
0: you no matter how hard you try not to yeah it's not just physical Mm -hmm. there's a sort of emotional always being on factor as well and you see a lot of stats about nurses and doctors primarily nurses really being sleep deprived overweight you know struggling with the sort of fundamentals of physical wellness
2: I think that's one of the things that we tried to um Resolve as uh, healthcare architects and designers. How do we bring a better working environment to them, um, knowing the challenges of their profession? I think one part of it is the ability for them, like Nikki mentioned, to to have a space where they can um, disengage from their day-to-day activities, and I think. Um, having a, an access to a landscape area or, or a, a, and a conference room that has a light shower um, that can affect their mood and or be able to um, be in, 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 in a silent room helps a lot uh, in, in giving them that wellness that they need or a break.
0: Yeah, you think of amenities for patients, right? Because a h- hospital or whatever healthcare facility is primarily thought of as a place to serve patients, but you can't really... Mm-hmm think about patient care without considering those that are responsible for yeah. delivering that care? The,
1: the staff get overlooked a lot, they really do. Um, obviously, patients are number one in our designs and what we wanna do, um, but coming from the nurse side, I've seen the stress that they go through firsthand. I've seen people get kicked, punched, choked. I've had a patient table thrown at me by a schizophrenic patient once. It's I've seen that stuff, so my my goal is always to bring the people that need these things, need the respite, need the stress relief, bring them to the table, ask them what they need, mm-hmm. ask them what doesn't work about their space. Um, I, they, their voices get overlooked a lot too. Yeah. So it's, I, I want them to speak up and I want them to get their voices heard.
2: And I think if we can design a space that's efficient, that's calm, that's. Uh, I think it benefits both the patient and uh, the healthcare provider because they're moving in an environment mm-hmm. that, um, is resonate, that resonates that um, type of environment that they want it to be in. So often these patients are stressed out. Um, they're worried about what their health condition will be, whether they know it or not. Um, and if we can give that uh, sense of assurance that that healthcare space is there for them, um, and that that space is a place where they can heal at their own pace. I think it speaks a lot to um, how it, it how that space will will benefit them and also the staff.
0: Sure, you bring up such a good point because you know we talked about the sort of corporate pivot we've seen mm-hmm. over the past couple of years. It's been this like slow and steady return to the office here, mm-hmm. but. We've seen workplaces being very intentional about thinking about how the design directly benefits and supports their staff because they know that it ultimately drives their bottom line and supports the, their talent, keeps talent there, attracts new talent, mm-hmm. and I think that maybe in healthcare spaces maybe similar to schools, we, we don't necessarily think of those spaces as workplaces, but they really are. Um, I wanna get into some of the design benefits, like the outdoor features and the amenities, but I think it's important to think about what the, what the benefit of supporting healthcare staff actually means for patients and even for healthcare operations and their bottom line. Mm-hmm.
1: I'll say that I, I've seen a couple of studies recently that say that like over 50% of healthcare providers are considering leaving the profession so mm-hmm. I'd say first and foremost you have to keep them in the jobs because there won't be enough people to take care of these patients especially with the aging population um, mm-hmm. they're projecting yeah. the patient population is going to be um, growing exponentially
0: as it's well. like the next surge right the next tsunami mm-hmm. of exactly what's gonna strain us.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm seeing somewhere somewhere where the industry is moving to is the ability to use technology um, in concert with the staff, um, you see a lot more robotics happening in ORs, um, and the ability to um, project images as you're actually doing, um, you know, uh, a cath, cath lab uh, facility or um, a hybrid OR where you've got um, the expertise of of the um, surgeon combined with the technology. I think um, that's where it's gonna move towards to, um, and I think the patient care spaces should move towards that. If you think about, like, for example, a, a regular patient room, um, if a patient can order uh, food through a menu, um, why can't the staff do the same? Yeah. Where they don't have, they don't necessarily have to leave the unit, but they can order food from the cafeteria and get it brought up to them. And um, brought up to a, a space where you know, if if it's designed to where it's integrated with the landscape area, they can take you know a 30-minute break and be on a wellness um, nature walk, where they as they're enjoying their coffee or their food, they're able to um, disengage from that daily stressful environment and then actually focus on the bigger issue, which is you know how am I helping the patient um, right. go to well, uh, you know, be better.
0: Yeah, it, when we're thinking about the benefits of thinking about healthcare spaces as not just a place for patients but even as a workplace for healthcare right. providers, you start to address this issue of the talent pipeline, a very scary issue to think about when so many people are considering leaving. But mm-hmm. then you also start to bring up opportunities for efficiency because you know, there's there's issues of patient outcomes and and providing them the best level of care and making sure that there aren't errors and minimizing errors. You know, if Mm. if I make a spelling error at at the office, it's lower stakes than if there's someone's Mm. life on the line.
1: Medication errors happen. Yeah. Waste.
0: The cost of all the operations go up when people are tired and burnt out and kind of mailing it in maybe. Um, So all of these efficiencies ultimately affect their bottom line, but even, at the end of the day, patient outcomes too. I would imagine
1: mm-hmm. another thing that's growing is telehealth, um, mm-hmm. and it's being integrated a lot more. Telehealth uh, visits have been growing majorly. Um, so, creating spaces for providers to be able to give adequate care over a computer—that's um, a big change that's happening. Because I know a lot of people used to avoid that; they didn't want, they don't trust, you know, technology, especially in rural America and other places. Yeah. Um, I was just at a, a nursing conference in South Carolina at Clemson University, um, and it was about the um, excellence in healthcare design. And they were also talking about home care a lot too. There's a big push in moving towards home care again, which is kind of crazy. It's like a full circle <laughs> moving moving forward with the telehealth, but also going back to home yeah. visits. Like, mm-hmm. so we got to start thinking about stuff like that as well when we are thinking about our designs.
0: So when we're when we're talking about patient outcomes on the line, the cost of op- healthcare operations, I mean, that's a major headline in and of itself, attracting people to the profession. Clearly, there's a case for design that supports our nurses, our doctors, and our healthcare providers. Mm-hmm. I'd like to talk a little bit about how we actually do that. It seems like there's opportunity for their physical wellness, their, be- their social wellness, mm-hmm. and emotional and mental health even. So let's start with their physical wellness. Nikki, you brought up some of the challenges of even just being able to access food and water throughout the day or being able to use a restroom or being able to get sleep when you need it. How can design help support some of these really basic functions and maybe even get beyond some of the basic functions and give them some of the perks like we get in the office, like circadian tuned lighting and biophilic elements or we get connection to the outdoors?
1: Thinking about safety is a big one. Um, A lot of the older facilities, They didn't have the um, studies, the research that we have now. Um, There's uh, units that I've worked in before that I've been kind of trapped. We used to say trapped on an island where people can't even hear us when our patient needs us. We could be in there for a code, and it's hard to get to other people to get help into that space. So uh, talking to the the nurses, the providers firsthand, and finding out what doesn't work about their unit. How far are they walking to get their meds? How far are they walking to get their supplies that, that they need to do the patient care? Um, that they, they walk about four or five miles a day.
0: Yeah, I've learned um, that getting steps in for nurses isn't the problem, no. right? Um, it's the
1: the getting to sit down after the five mile walk right. and
0: yeah.
1: in between all the, yeah. all, all the uh, patient care, it's, it's really, um, it's taxing so physically. How,
0: how can you design, what are some solutions that you've seen in practice that, whether it's supply carts and kind of minimizing the number of built-ins so that people aren't constantly making laps, what are some solutions you've seen to help those efficiencies?
2: I think what we need to realize is the workforce is changing as well. Um, from a design solution, we're seeing more decentralized um, nurse uh, stations um, where the nurses are closer to the patient rooms as opposed to going into a, um, a central nurse station. I think um, envisioning the nurse station as more of a collaborative space um, as opposed to a regular nurse station that used to exist, you know, 20-30 years ago. I think looking at it as a collaborative space, and then using the um, decentralized nurse station as where they actually do their their work. Um, I think how you imagine that would be different.
0: It's interesting, just as you're saying that, it reminds me of some of the trends you're seeing even in workplaces, right? There's these collaborative hubs, and then you you have opportunities to peel off for some focused work uh, where it works for you and while still maintaining some sort of connection to the rest of your team and to your patients.
2: Another thing that we're seeing is like, for example, the, um, the Veterans Administration, they're starting to change how they deliver care. Like for a, a regular patient, um, they would pair um, a social worker with a behavioral health um, professional with a nurse and a medical doctor. I think a lot of healthcare systems will will potentially shift um, to where um, it's a patient they call it patient aligned care team Mm -hmm. where a patient um, has um, a medical team around them. And I think as this um, pilot system by the Veterans Administration becomes successful, um, a lot of Healthcare systems will be um, using the same type of approach, and um, similar to like a collaborative space, they need a space where each um, healthcare professional can discuss um, from an overall standpoint how this how their diagnosis affects a patient. I'm just you know thinking that this could be a, a collaborative space where they can pull up charts, they can pull up medical records easily um, and be able to um, provide a a course for that patient for treatment. Mm
1: -hmm. There's also a move towards like duplicating spaces too with like supply rooms. Um, And I spoke to a couple of nurses at the conference I was at, and they were saying that the challenge with that is you always have to make them as close, uh, like replicate them as close as you can, because that's another thing with nursing. They don't have time to think when there's an emergent situation. They don't have time to walk into a room and be like, okay, where's this stored? Where's that stored? Yeah. So having two storage rooms strategically located, but having the stuff in the exact same space as, it, as the other room is a big, big help for that.
0: Yeah. So some levels of predictability mm-hmm. even, probably not just in the supply room, but even a- in, in the patient. Everywhere, the yeah. patient
1: head wall, just everywhere honestly.
0: So we've talked about collaboration spaces some Mm -hmm. and when we talk about the workplace and collaboration I feel like you can't talk you can't have that conversation without talking about a break room and it's probably one of the bigger pain points for nurses. These these aren't necessarily places that people can typically gather or maybe are not even front of mind and Nikki like you mentioned maybe they're so far away it's like I don't have time to to go to that. How are you seeing that reworked so that that way we can think about their nutrition and hydration and even some socialization?
2: Um, I think if we can integrate that space to where it just does not um, relate to the patient but relate to the staff as well. Like if you think about it um, for us working professionals you know um, there's building medical office buildings or regular office buildings where as you come in the main lobby, there's access to um, a coffee uh, stand or, or um, breakfast. Why can't we do that for um, medical professionals? And where they can access these um, amenities similar to staff, maybe we have to design it differently so they, they can get theirs faster, more efficiently, mm-hmm. while, while the staff is getting more in a relaxed environment, theirs is more in an efficient environment. Um, can we do something similar to that? Um, and then as they go up to their locker rooms, is there a way we can improve it to where um, the sleep room is uh, available next to it? Or um, they, can, they have um, rooms, privacy rooms, where they can just disengage? Um, Or can we design an environment where they're in the middle of um, a landscape area where um, they can decide whether they take a break um, in a conference room or a break room or they can take a break by walking through nature and just um, enjoying the outdoors. Or if it's a beautiful day, can they enjoy the outdoors without having to go too far from, from their unit?
0: Right. because it's not just about having that amenity, if you will. It's about the location of it and and how it's positioned and probably even the policies and operations and how it allows staff to even be able to use it.
1: Yeah. A lot of places don't even mandate breaks for nurses. Um, When I moved to California and they were like, okay, Nikki, it's time for your break. Tell me about your patients. I was like, it was like, wait, I get to go sit down? Like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> like, you actually have to leave. It's great. And that's how it should be everywhere. Um, but just being able to go somewhere for 10 minutes even and close your eyes and disconnect or, like Gerard said, somewhere where you can look at nature. And even if that's just looking out a window and seeing nature through the window, like, it makes a big big difference in your day
0: well it and it's one of those things that if it's out of sight it's kind of out of mind too right because if someone's not prompting you to go unplug for a minute Mm. i i know thankfully i sit right by a window Mm. at the office and so i see people kind of making their laps i'm like oh someone went and got a coffee i'm like you know i ought to get a coffee right and so like it reminds you to go do it and Mm. i think that the location of these amenities matters for that reason as well
2: and I think staff retention is going to be a major concern as 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 the workforce um, gets or dwindles down or the demand goes up and we don't have enough um, workforce to fill those gaps I think the amenities is going to make a big difference on whether a physician if all else is equal um, what what what's the difference and I think amenities for staff and how their well-being is being taken care of in in their own built environment will make a major difference for them whether deciding to go to a specific facility or or not. Yeah, Yeah.
1: locating them as close as possible to the units is absolutely necessary and there's ways that you can use probably some technology communications too that might Mm -hmm. help that. Um, There's a lot of new um, communication devices you can have so that at least you're reachable by phone yeah. or by page or something like that mm-hmm. um, but just being able to feel that you're close to the unit is a huge difference in getting people to actually use those spaces so mm-hmm.
0: yeah a lot of other industries are looking at the trends of future workforces and what what does the future workforce or even current workforce look from their potential look for from their potential employer and all these stats about what Gen Z wants, what millennials want, right? right? And uh, amenities, we want a ping pong table, we want all these different things. Right. Obviously healthcare has some limitations and restrictions just by the nature of the type of facility it is and code and you know, contamination and all of that. Mm-hmm. But you are still trying to attract talent that has these preferences, that comes from this sort of cultural background of, hey, you know what, I care about my own wellness as well. Or I care about efficiency or I care about mentorship, right? You know, I, I want to be able to continue to grow and learn in my position. Mm-hmm. And so just like we might look for that in our office spaces, and I think healthcare providers are also looking for that too.
2: I think for me, um, when I when I look at the, what the future of healthcare design will be, I think we have to look at the workforce that is coming up. Um, you, like you mentioned, Gen Z um, is coming up. Um, they're technology savvy. They, they, can, they can work multiple technologies or softwares all at the same time. Um, if we think about that and translate that to healthcare, what does that mean? I, for me, that means um, can you have an ability where people can work um, at one facility, say in Los Angeles, but the residency is somewhere um, in the mid middle of the country or east coast. Um, uh, can there be a, a program where a certain facility uh, ties up with a facility somewhere in the east and they're able to um, get that different level of expertise at another facility because telehealth is, is, is going to be prevalent in the future.
1: Mm -hmm. Rural America really needs stuff like that with the telehealth, because there's a lot of places Mm -hmm. that don't have doctors. They don't Mm -hmm. have the primary care physicians they need. Mm -hmm. Um, So the access to telehealth is huge for places like that and training them, finding the people that can teach these patients, like how to use the um, the equipment and mm-hmm. get that equipment to them even is a struggle. But what
2: I've seen is that um, you know drones and technology is going <coughs> to play a major role in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're trying to get um, healthcare to rural America, I think that will play a role. Um, I, I I went to an uh, ACHE conference recently and I talked to young students and what they said is that. Um, what they see in the future is that someone can use their phone, use an app, and have that ability f- to reach that um, healthcare professional by either um, having a drone come over to them, um, you know, diagnosing them, uh, or essentially dispensing um, their medication through that technology, and then be able to um, diagnose them and, and you know, their doctors are able to check them. And see if they're doing well Uh, uh, and then at the same time that doctor could be more efficient because this drone could be teeing up multiple patients from different um locations yeah
0: i I mean there's such an appetite for technology when it comes to the future workforce and what they're looking for right i mean they're of that generation and so fluid with it we've talked a little bit about the technology that connects the provider to the patient but what about technologies like we have at the I mean I feel like even more connected to everyone that I work with, between teams and between phone calls and emails and you know mm-hmm. ch- other kinds of chats and all sorts of things how do how do providers stay connected and what's the future look like for that?
2: I think you got to almost like look to the movies for that um, technology and I think it's happening. like the ability for one physician to connect to a specialist um, in the East Coast, or vice versa, a specialist in the East Coast connecting to a, um, another specialist here in Los Angeles, where they can do a telehealth, uh, a collaborative telehealth, where they can look at an X-ray or a CT scan, and then have their have them be able to collaborate, pull up patient records.
1: They're even doing surgeries from across the country mm-hmm. with the robotics. Right. Mm-hmm. like. Correct. It's just mind-blowing that we're able to do that stuff. Yeah. Imagine where we're going to be <laughs> yeah. in the future with that.
0: Yeah. And then when we're, So when we're talking about burnout and this sort of technology, how do you see technology easing? Because to me, I feel like being able to quickly write someone a note in Teams or you mm. know shoot someone a message in, in whatever fashion really kind of speeds my work and hopefully makes me more efficient less likely to burn out, Mm -hmm. do you see the same possibility or what sort of applications do you see to kind of help have technology ease burnout for providers?
1: I mean, sure. I mean, having access to any doctor in the country, um, I think would be, would be great. You would be able to, if you didn't know the answer or if you didn't have someone near you that had worked on that type of patient before just being able to reach out and send them a message and being able to connect to them with a computer and being able to put them in front of the patient from across the country or even across the world. It's, it could help ease the, uh, the burnout.
0: I hear a lot of physicians who are like, I had to call this doctor and then I had to wait for them to call me back. And then I called them again and then their receptions put me on hold for five minutes. And that was like (laughs) the only five minutes I had between two different patients. And so I think some some of these like older ways of communicating are really not congruent with how quickly we need to move now.
2: I think um, there's gonna be a, a, we're gonna have to strike a balance because as as we're in, tra- uh, in transition where the older um, generation ha- was got has been used to working a certain way and the younger generation coming in knowing no you can do this quicker. Um, I think there. I think our solutions have to be tailored to that transition, and then eventually, um, that solution will will translate into um, where it's not ne- necessary anymore. Um, you're able to, like M- Nikki mentioned, you can leave a message to a physician through Teams, and they can they can pick up from there. I can see some frustration. Of that happening in in say older generation. Oh yeah, we're all we're all resistant to change. That's yeah. for sure. Right,
1: and
0: but that's an yeah. interesting point, right? There's such yeah. a generational mix right now mm-hmm. in right. the workforce, probably more than we've had before.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so there's certainly opportunities to think about phasing in technology, um, but then there are opportunities also that are sort of that transcend generation and it, this idea of, for instance, mental health. And emotional well-being it doesn't matter where you fall in your birth year. the The idea of always being on exists for everyone. So mm-hmm. maybe how do you how do you address that? How do you in design think about the mental and emotional well-being of healthcare providers?
2: I think for me, um, designing a a space that's balanced, like uh, like I mentioned, a place for them to be able to disengage. Um, have the technology at their fingertips when they get into the patient room, and then have that ability to isolate themselves if they have to, um, I think plays a major role in us um, making a difference um, to, to the workforce, to the healthcare workforce, and giving that balance to them.
0: In addition to the spaces, are you seeing anything in terms of how you're approaching the design of these spaces, whether it's materials that are inspired by nature, artwork anything like that
1: nature is a big part of it um it's also personalization too um i think unit by unit it's different so that's another reason why we bring the people that work on that unit to the table when we're figuring out what they need um what are what are they into are they where are they located in the country um try to bring in things that make them feel comfortable make them feel like they're at home Um, because, I mean, they're there, like I said, for 12-plus hours for their shifts, and they need to be as comfortable as possible.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So often you see break rooms or little respite areas that don't maybe receive the same level of design attention Mm -hmm. and detail. Oh, Oh my God, yeah.
1: Yeah. Just lined with metal lockers Mm -hmm. and no windows. Yeah. (laughs) And so
0: artwork and all of those things and and materials Mm -hmm. probably make a big difference.
2: Um, Also, like... If you look at it for from an industry standpoint, if you look at, like for example, airports, um, how come um, these, some of these airports have lounges for captains? Why can't we do the same for doctors, for specialists, or for, for, for any staff? Um, can we design a space where it's a lounge? There's this lounge feel for the staff so that when they go into that room, they feel um, protected, they feel appreciated, they feel that they have all the amenities uh, at their fingertips to, you know, be efficient and be inspired as they're they're working through a stressful day, um, or even like a um, like a car dealership, for example. You go into these lounge and they're well designed. Um, you know, uh, all the amenities are at their fingertips. There's food. There's there's coffee. Yeah can we do that something for the staff as well?
1: I I like that you said about all the other staff too, because there's so many staff members in a hospital that get overlooked. Like the EVS, uh, Mm -hmm. environmental management people, the Mm -hmm. ones cleaning the patient rooms every time, they're still seeing the same type of stuff that the nurses and doctors see. Mm -hmm. Um, They're still doing the same amount of shifts as them too. It's, they're they're all taking a toll right now. Yeah, it's,
0: I love that you brought up airports, right? Because there's several building types where when you think of that building type, you think of primarily the consumer that, that uses it, right? Airports, mm-hmm. you think of the passenger experience. Mm-hmm. Schools, you think of the student experience. And in healthcare spaces, you think of the patient experience. But there's an entire like, team of people offstage that really are probably most instrumental to what that experience looks like.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, recently at Corgan, we did a study about what teachers want. From their workplace, schools, like, because that, that is their workplace. And so a lot of these amenity I, conversations came up. But then also the idea of connection and mentorship came up. You know, I, I love that you brought up the lounge as it for, for healthcare providers, mm-hmm. but you know, meeting spaces, mentorship opportunities, pr- professional development, socialization, how does that happen?
2: Um, I recently pursued a project for a research lab and research labs are changing in a way where it used to be very isolated. And I think um, research labs are starting to change where um, there are different type of spaces, where there's a space for for the researcher to work on their own. There's also a space where you combine them with other researchers, and the goal of that is for them to interact and find solutions, common solutions that could be used from uh, one type of research to another. Um, I think if we can create something similar, where there's a private space or a, 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 a silent space, and there's an active space for uh, for staff as they go about their um, their lounge or their breaks, it it gives them a natural setting um, to socialize, interact, and talk about work if they choose to. Um, and that could be done in both a formal setting and or an informal setting. That could be done, say, if you're integrating a, a nature walk into a lounge, You know, they could be walking through a path and they can talk about this patient was experiencing this, 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 and they're actually discussing um, the diagnosis or yeah. the symptoms, but they're they're doing it in in a different type of environment.
0: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. these intentional and casual moments of exchange where, yes, maybe they're talking about a patient, but they I can imagine that they're also talking about the sort of next credentialing they might want, or how their professional career might grow, mm-hmm. or maybe even just making a friend there. Mm-hmm. That value of friendship is so important mm-hmm. to retaining talent. Yeah, well. it's
1: I mean working in healthcare, we always called it our, uh, our work family because you're spending holidays with them. You're spending weekends with them, nights, just it, you're always with them. So developing those relationships is key. I mean, we're, we're humans, we're social people. So being closed off, like we have been for, what has it been two and a half years now? No one knows anymore. I don't know. Yeah. Time, time's yeah. not real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really taken a toll on everybody, but and like in healthcare design, if you have the collaborative spaces where you're not only are you talking about the patient, like Gerard said, but you're, mm-hmm. you're talking to each other about your family at home, you're talking to each other about your mental health, and are you doing okay today, mm-hmm. um, you're getting your mentorship, you're learning from each other, you that that's another key thing that is a problem with this 50% of uh, healthcare providers wanting to leave, Who's going to teach the younger people that are coming in? It's not an easy profession. You can go to school for it. You can get the degree. But until you're there walking in those shoes and taking care of patients every day, like, you're not able to physically and mentally learn everything that you need to do. It's a it's a hands-on thing. And learning the critical thinking, too, like, that's, that's something that we need to be able to collaborate at a table and discuss and draw diagrams of things and look at pictures of different uh, patients that have had this before. So it's, it's key. And I I
0: would imagine that if you shorten that learning curve, Mm -hmm. that probably a lot of the attrition that happens early on in people's careers, because I walked in and this is way more than I bargained for. Mm -hmm. You start to help make up for some of that, you know, gosh, it would have been so much easier had I had a mentor in the Mm -hmm. beginning or had I had a buddy. To walk me through yeah, it. Yeah,
1: imagine coming out of nursing school in the middle of this pandemic, working yeah, in an I ICU, trying I'm to that. learn with, like, there were, that was another thing. They were cross-training. They were bringing in nurses that weren't specialized. So, say it was an ICU. They were bringing med-surg, med-surg nurses in or PACU pre-op nurses in to help the ICU nurses. And then there's graduate nurses coming into the same unit. Who do you learn from? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who knows what they're doing? Like, you need to know who you need to turn to in these situations. And I just, I couldn't imagine being a graduate nurse during that and being able to make it through.
2: <laughs> I think in terms of mentoring um, and, and melding technology with that, um, like, we see a lot of um, 3D printing that's happening in our industry, in uh, architectural and design industry. Um, is there a way that we can... Um, create a system where you know um something of of an image or a body um, uh, either a heart or or something where doctors can easily 3d print that um that specific um, organ or what and then be able to collaborate collaboratively work on a solution Um, i think the easier that we can make it for them um the the shorter that learning curve um, for that um, next professional would be. Yeah. Um, if we're able to create spaces where they can easily pull up medical records and have that ability to mentor young staff easily um, in a break room setting or in a, a, a smaller conference room setting similar to our breakout spaces, then it's easy to mentor somebody and talk to them specifically um, on a patient as opposed to having to, um, I don't know, work in a, a bedside or in a nurse station where there's a lot going on. Um, is there a, an ability for them to, to bring that information in, in a smaller um, one or one or one-to-two environment where they can teach younger staff and be able to collaborate on a solution, um, not just from the older professional, but from a younger professional telling them, why can't we do this solution?
0: Yeah.
1: I think we'll see more creativity in that as well. Creativity, innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, we're designers, we're creative, we're innovative, but mm-hmm. nurses are the same way too. Uh, healthcare providers, you have to be creative when you're taking oh. care of the patients. You don't have whatever it is that you need. You find something else and you MacGyver it, you know, you, they're creative people. So I think the mm-hmm. more creative people, aspects we can put into our designs and bring them along for the ride they'll get creative too and I mean it's I I don't know it's crazy to think of what we could possibly do in the future with that yeah
0: I love that so you know one of the things that I always find remarkable when I look back at the past like you said Nikki who knows how long it's been but when I look back at at this pandemic is is the frontline workers in all of this and I remember in the beginning, a lot of people would, you know, hang out their window and ring the bells for them. And truly, I think we start to realize exactly what we're asking for nurses and doctors to do on a on a daily basis. And when we think about their safety, not just from the safety of like, you know, mental health patients and behavioral health patients and all of that, but maybe even just their general safety, I think a lot of people, a lot of healthcare providers were were very worried and concerned about their own well being and that of their family. They're putting their lives on the line every yeah. single day, every yeah. time they walk through the door. So, anything that you're seeing in terms of how we finally respond to that, and maybe how we've changed our thinking because of it,
2: we're seeing a lot of design innovation that's happening on on the front end of of uh, healthcare facilities, specifically emergency departments. Because if you think about it the sick patients are gonna show up at emergency departments um, uh, as, as a first entrance to the facility. Um, I think the ability to isolate potentially sick patients, um, which probably could be far worse than what could be originally diagnosed, um, will, will go a long way. Are, are you able to segregate potentially sicker patients with the less um, sick patients? Um, and then how do you handle the staff interacting with them? Um, there was a one project, I think this was at um, Mayo Clinic that one of our co- uh, colleagues did. Um, they were able to create isolation rooms, um, isolation waiting rooms, mm-hmm. where um, potentially sick patients and their families could go into an isolated room um, uh, just within the same waiting room but the intent of it is they are they're separated from the potentially um, not a sick patients you know if you have a respiratory problem can you be isolated to where the people that are coming with broken bones um, doesn't have to be mixed um, and then potentially as the staff come in they already know oh uh, this is a potentially riskier patient we need to to gown up or put in a PPE to um, help um, make sure that our staff is safe? And then can that room be negatively pressured so that um, staff that are coming in feel that they are more protected based on that built environment, that that room is negatively pressured, um, similar to as you're walking into a um, an isolation room where you feel that, um, Uh, the patient's uh, needs are being met from a physical design standpoint, and um, you're not exposing yourself to more potential sickness.
0: So it's been interesting to think about kind of these major changes, and really thinking about the healthcare spaces is not just a place to provide care for patients, but to care for those who are responsible for that, and to think of it as a workplace. What do you think the future holds for the future of healthcare facilities as a workplace even?
1: I think it's gonna be a hybrid. Well, we, we definitely can't go back to what we were before because it was already kind of a broken system, but I think it'll we'll find a balance in between all these like crazy ideas that people have and um, do like a hybrid. Um, there's gonna be a lot of collaboration, um, like Gerard talked about with uh, the new pandemic. There's gonna be more coming. It's Being prepared is a big thing for the future. Um, How can we help facilities prepare for the next pandemic? How do we make them as safe as we possibly can? So I think safety and flow of people is gonna be two major, major issues.
2: I think for me, you're gonna see um, more of the movies that we've seen like these technology that we're seeing in movies come to life because it gives um, design professionals and people that are working in technology a place to shoot for in terms of what that built environment would be. I think that's, uh, we're gonna get closer to that level of um, innovation and creativity and um, you know, um, future technology. I think that's where we're gonna head. Um, and, And I think it's gonna be exciting. Um, how the new generation will practice their 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 um, healthcare um, technology.
0: Yeah, I think you guys have both touched on the idea of creativity for, mm-hmm. for healthcare providers. It's not something we typically think of, right? Mm-hmm. But whether they're trying to investigate what the accurate diagnosis is for a patient or gosh, I don't have this piece of equipment, what do I do about it? Mm-hmm. And I think we can only really get there to that level of creativity or providing that level of care when we really think about being when we're well supported ourselves physically emotionally professionally socially and all of those things so this has been a really helpful conversation thank you guys so much i think we're just getting started here but a really important and timely one to have thank you it's great being here Thank thank you thank you and thank you for joining us if you have any more questions about the burnout in healthcare or want more information click on one of the links below and we'll see you on the next episode of the square